This episode of Intelligent Medicine brought to you by the next big thing in anti-inflammatory supplements, a brand new all-natural daily preventative against a host of possible inflammatory issues. Black for Health liquid extract from Future Farm Botanicals. Black for Health combines four plant-based foods, black garlic, black radish root, black cumin seed, and black peppercorn containing high levels of body-ready healing botanicals. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, and weight management, circulation, and immunity. It's a tasty supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. For more information and to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuture, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, a special edition of uh, Intelligent Medicine Podcast because we're talking to our good colleagues at uh, the Alliance for Natural Health International in the UK, and they've got uh, some fascinating perspectives on uh, COVID-19, perhaps uh, the most comprehensive takedown of uh, the COVID-19 situation can be found at their website, uh, which is anhinternational.org. Is that correct, guys? That's right, yep. Okay. And, uh, you know, I understand that you're a little bit uh, jet lagged because you were up till 5 a.m. Uh, this morning posting it. Uh, so uh, thanks for, I guess, puts, puts you on uh, U.S. time because there's about a five hour, six hour difference. So that was the idea. I think, it was, I think we were actually on um, Pacific time by the time we, we clocked off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You, you know, the, the, Bottom line is people are desperate for, for answers, and, and we had so many questions. So this, this um, opus that we put out last night, um, six, six, over 6,000 words, is, is really answering six of the most common questions. Eight of the most eight common of, questions. Sorry, eight. It was going to be six, and then eight <laughs> Yeah, of the most common questions that, that get put to us, and um, everything from adverse events to whether it might affect pregnant women, what is known, you know, about synthetic biology vaccines, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So as there's well, a lot of information. As, as well as all the patient information leaflets that we know that people aren't being given to review before they um, they choose whether or not they want to have mm -hmm. the vaccine. You yeah, and I think Tylenol. the theme really is is informed consent because it's amazing the amount of uh, uh, effort, you know, you and I are cyclists, you know, whenever we buy uh, cycling gear, you know, we look at, you know, uh, information from five or six uh, manufacturers, or, you know, we watch uh, YouTube videos, you know, to decide, you know, which is the best, uh, you know, uh, tire for our bicycle. Uh, and yet when it comes to vaccines, it's like, okay, you, you know, just show up and, you know, yeah, there are about, you know, three or four different vaccines out there and, you know, roll up your sleeve and, you know, sign this right. and there's not a lot of informed yeah. consent. And you have your, you buy your Tylenol and you've got a little uh, leaflet inside it with some information. Now that information exists also, it has to FDA for every even emergency authorization has developed those fact sheets. We've got them up on our website, the US ones, the UK ones, some of the European ones for Moderna, Pfizer and AstraZeneca. And um, but but, you know, the vaccinator should ensure that people have read that because on it are a string of of uh, of side effects and contraindications. And it's important information that should be shared because that information is known. Yeah. I want to switch gears slightly because um, I came across an article that's pertinent to the situation over there in the UK, but it's very relevant to the situation in the US because it's probably the same. 
Headline, successive government's approach to obesity policies has destined them to fail. Government obesity policies in England over the past three decades have largely failed because of problems with implementation, lack of learning from past successes or failures, and a reliance on trying to persuade individuals to change their behavior rather than tackling unhealthy environments, a.k.a. obesogenic environments. Mm. Uh, you know, Nice uh, credentials here, University of Cambridge. What say you? You're probably all over this situation. Yeah, you know, it's 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 correct. It has to be a top down and a bottom up problem. I think one of the one of the problems from the top down side is the top down information has been incorrect. So, you know, for example, um, the any of the if you look at your your my plate recommendations, uh, you know, from 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 the US or, or the Eat Well Guide in in the UK what we're being told to eat doesn't actually fit with the latest nutritional science. Low-fat milk, uh, you know, plenty of vegetable oil instead of butter, uh, and... Uh, grains and starch carbohydrates. And, and then there's nothing really that's telling you about meal frequency and snacking and the effects of that on physiology. There's nothing about how you would combine um, healthy cooking methods that don't, you know, carbonize and create polyaromatic hydrocarbons and other nasties that give you cancer down the line, how you damage your fats with certain cooking or what the impact is, you know, eating out all the time. This is a, this is a big switch that's happened in the last 10, 15 years. And the UK certainly has a, a massive habit um, of eating out more so than any country in Europe. So people have run about 200 meals um, a year out of their houses and people are losing the ability to know how to cook from scratch in a healthy way. At the same time, they love looking at cooking programs and so now they sit in their armchairs, watch the cooking programs while they're chewing on their pizza. But, but of course, <laughs> the phenomenal thing as well, given the fact that I'm a nutritional practitioner, is that we spend a lifetime in these bodies and yet we don't actually get taught from young how to take care of them right. or how they work in terms of fuel mm -hmm. and you know how we burn fuel what our evolutionary pathways are you know we don't learn any of that so um it's you can obviously hear that it's a huge passion of ours and given the fact that the first um rung of prophylaxis for covid is um <clears throat> to have you know good metabolic health and immune modulation mm -hmm. from, from your your own perspective your own body we um We've actually we've actually written a book and um, it's our first proper ebook that we're that we're putting out and uh, we're hoping it's going to be out in the next month to six weeks. We'll and interview it, you again, you know, specifically about that because I want to do a deep dive on that subject. But but it's good to announce that uh, that's going to be available and it's a very comprehensive look at uh, diet, which uh, you know. And so. Talk to us about the linkage between diet and COVID-19. What could diet possibly have to do with this pandemic? I mean, we're looking for uh, high-tech medicines and vaccines as a way of curbing the pandemic, but diet? I know. The thing is, is that um, when people say the word diet, 
that immediately conjures up calorie counting, restriction, trying to lose weight. And what it doesn't conjure up is the whole concept of nutrition, nourishment, food as medicine. But if you think about how long we've been on this planet, food was and still is our first medicine. And we like to think of food as information. So I tend to use the word, you know, nutrition a lot and nutritive a lot rather than diet because diet always makes people think, you know, about something different. Whereas this is really a way of nurturing and nourishing your body in order to bring alive all of the evolutionary pathways that we have within us that are protective against disease, um, against um, immune um, challenges. And so, you know, I'll, Rob, Rob will, you know, talk about this a little bit further. But um, I see every day in practice, as well as um, for what I've experienced myself, that once you bring these pathways alive again, and they're dormant, even if they're dormant, and they've been dormant for decades, you can still bring them alive safely, your body will start to do what it was meant to do. It puts protections in place. So we talk very much about metabolic and immunological resilience because you know yourself that when you have a rubber band and when it's brand new and you can stretch it to whatever length mm-hmm. and it springs back quite easily when that rubber band is oxidized a bit um, as it's aged the rubber gets drier you try and stretch it and it snaps and you know our bodies are pretty much like that as well but what a lot of people don't realize is that you can maintain that flexibility and that resilience for an awful lot longer if you actually work with these, um, you know, your evolutionary mm-hmm. pathways, and if you start with metabolic flexibility. Right, yeah, and, and, and there's, there are several key themes that I think uh, relate to COVID-19. You know, first of all, obesity, and especially what's called visceral adiposity. I think there was a study just out about how, not just overweight, but the, the, the bad fat that accumulates uh, within your bodies is actually very determinant of uh, whether you're going to have COVID-19. And blood sugar, blood sugar, that's a big theme. And then there's inflammation. And clearly the diet has strong implications for all three of those. Correct. I mean, it really is how you get the different systems within the body. Mel talked about the idea of understanding how the body works. And it is not the same as a motor car. It has this very subtle interplay between multiple systems. And the, you know, the three, we often think of it as the three super systems. If you can get your, you know, central nervous system working with your hormonal endocrine system, and have that working with your immune system, you've got a pretty good basis. These three super systems, they are all integrated together. You can't work with one without the other. So, you know, the idea of saying, okay, I'm going to eat a healthy diet, but I'm really worried about what's happening with COVID, so I'm going to sit in front of CNN News (laughs) 24-7, including when I'm eating. Now, if someone tries to do that, they're going to be their their autonomic nervous system is going to be chiming deeply into the sympathetic side yep. and the sympathetic side is the fight and flight side and you know if we're able to help people and say guys the reason why we grew up eating food around campfires and sitting around big tables and having one hour lunch breaks is because we we understood that we could digest food better mm-hmm. when we were in parasympathetic and that is our right. rest and digest now how many people have heard of fight and flight and they haven't heard of rest exactly. and digest yeah 
and, well, and so the, these systems are all linked. We, we've got a we've got a crisis at the moment with zinc. You know, we've actually just also mm-hmm. uh, today released our zinc campaign just to um, on the back of the vitamin D and vitamin C campaigns we've already launched. And um, zinc zinc is it's it's really interesting if you look at nutritional surveys. First of all, they are generally showing that you know twenty thirty percent of people in the population might have chronically low zinc levels um, and zinc is required for so many it's, it's kind of like multifaceted in terms of how it deals with respiratory infections so um, and it's very historically we used to get most of it from our our, our meat and our, our, our fish um, you know from an ancestral point of view nowadays most people actually get it from fortified foods and their multivitamin they're having with their breakfast but what they don't realize is that it is going to be bound by phytate, by yeah. phytic acid, particularly in cereals. So if they're having it with their breakfast cereal or their toast, which is, believe it or not, what still a lot of people do eat, um, it, they won't absorb it. So if you look at, say, the work of Ananda Prasad, who I'm sure we both know very well, mm-hmm. um, who discovered the essentiality of zinc in the 1960s. It's the godfather of zinc, yeah. Absolutely. He's been saying we still have a crisis of zinc, not only in the developed world, in the developing world, but also in the industrialized world, mainly because people are taking it in fortified and supplemental form and they don't know how to take it in a way that allows it to be absorbed properly. So again, education is required there. So yeah, you, you, you started off by looking at the sort of mm-hmm. top down, bottom up system. We need to change how we do the bottom up as well and the, the book that mel um was talking about is is kind of one offering that we're making in that direction but it does require a sea change in how we do it and we've got to stop thinking that you know healthy food is too expensive we've got to stop thinking that food is the only thing that we need to do we've got to stop um being concerned that that um what you eat is all important without thinking about how you eat or when you eat, mm-hmm. because these things equally meal timing, it. intermittent fasting, and so on. You know, exactly. Robin Melody. You know, we're mustering, you know, tens of millions of people to show up for vaccines, uh, and uh, it's a teachable moment. You know, they're going to basically show up and pull up their sleeves and get a shot. Uh, don't you think it might be appropriate to uh, say, look, you know, we're spending billions, perhaps trillions of dollars on this initiative? Um, that wouldn't it be an opportunity to administer something simple like give people some vitamin C, some zinc, uh, some vitamin D at that time with instructions on how to maintain uh, adequate levels of these nutrients? Because that that could play a role in even enhancing vaccine efficacy. Like like they've been doing in China and many Asian countries that are managing it a whole lot better, you mean, Ron? Oh, they're doing it? I, that, that's uh, news to me. I mean, they're actually, they have a concerted campaign to boost the nutritional status of their citizens? Well, they, they hand out, um, China hand out a lot of vitamin C. Um, and, um, and, you know, we know that um, different countries have done herbal supplements as well that they've handed out. Madagascar has given everybody um, a whole blend of, you know, herbals. And well, so like andrographis or something was being used in fun country or not uh, big yeah. time so um ayurveda you know there have been more reports coming out of india 
um, where they're actually releasing papers now to show that some of the Ayurvedic interventions have been um, very, very effective against COVID. But, you know, one of the things just before we leave the subject of nutrition is how often in the media have your citizens in America been told that every aspect of their immune response is mediated by factors that come out of the food that you eat? Hmm. No. You know, people don't, people no, actually, don't understand. Actually, on the contrary, Mass there was an article in the very early in the pandemic, I think it was in March or April, in the New York Times saying, uh, nutritional supplements don't help COVID-19 may hurt. That was of the course. information that was put out by the paper of record here in the United States. I mean, personally, having spent, you know, my life immersed in this, I, I, I actually find that criminal because you can't change um, the way our bodies work. And if you start to really go back and look, as you know, um, all the stages of the immune response and what's involved, the cofactors come from vitamins, minerals, essential fatty acids, you know, um, secondary phytonutrients out of the plants and the fruits that we eat. Um, we can't do without that. So, you know, you're, you asked the question earlier, um, why the link between nutrition and the immune system and COVID? Because you can ensure that your immune system is in the most resilient, robust place to be able to meet oncoming challenges so that you can actually rise to the challenge and come back to baseline again. And that's the important thing. Some of the, um, some of the issues around long COVID have got to do with this lack of resilience in mm -hmm. the immune system. You know, you manage to mount some kind of defense, but there's not enough energy. You in don't the have system a normal immune response, in other words. So, so then you you land up in this place where you've just got the you know the overhang um, of the long of the long haul effect. But all of this can be massively changed with the right kind of nutrition. So, to my mind, it's not a diet and the calorie counting, weight loss kind of thing. It's more about um, you know the evolutionary diet of origin, which just happens to help you with weight management and a range of other things because of what it does for our ev evolutionary pathways. And it puts another egg in the basket. That's mm -hmm. so important. You know, it, it, medical freedom is about choice, and you know, people have to understand that that vaccines cannot be. It's something you can do in addition, but there are some absolute no-brainers many of which you, you have to engage with, you have to eat anyway. So if we can help people, I, 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 I do think you're absolutely right. You know, we, we've got an opportunity that's um, tomorrow, one of the big um, healthy food chains is um, talking to us to be able to work with a program. They want to drop food boxes into mm. um, London-based NHS hospitals, but Marvelous. they would like to have our information in there together with um, colleagues of ours, the, the, the main medical doctor group in the UK. Um, and so we're just developing that now um, with the idea that that is going to go to these frontline doctors and nurses who are busting themselves trying to help people but don't have enough time to be able to do their research. They're certainly not hearing about whether they should be taking vitamin C or zinc or vitamin D from, from the health authorities. So they need to find authoritative sources, which is why they've come to us for, for some help. But that, that is an example. But we need to do more in other community settings. We also have to recognize the fact that as the continual sort of collateral damage of the, of the pandemic hits, 
we're going to see more and more disparities between the haves and the have-nots. And we've got to really start to see programs that make a difference to people who really are from more deprived communities. How can we help those communities get the information they need to become more autonomous, more empowered, rather than just have to wait to see whatever the, the government's going to hand out to them, which are just the, you know, the, the, the scraps on the plate um, plus a vaccine. Indeed. Okay, folks, at this point, let's pause and allow one of our sponsors an opportunity to share this vital message with you. Naturally occurring black pigments in vegetables, spices, and seeds have been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Hi, this is Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and I'm excited about what I think may be the next big thing in anti-inflammatory supplements, a brand new all-natural daily preventative against a host of possible inflammatory issues. Black for Health liquid extract from Future Farm Botanicals. Black for Health combines four plant-based foods, black garlic, black radish root, black cumin seed, and black peppercorn containing high levels of body-ready healing botanicals. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, and weight management, circulation, and immunity. It's a tasty supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. For more information or to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuture. Farm, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now back to today's guests, Melanie Aldridge and Rob Frakirk. You know, what I find interesting is that... Um, the current uh, COVID-19 crisis is really sort of a, a call to action uh, for correcting some of the underlying um, health imbalances that afflicted our countries well before the advent of the virus. Uh, there was a pandemic of epidemic uh, of uh, huge proportions of degenerative diseases, diseases that dispatched people prematurely, avoidable diseases that could be related to lifestyle, you know, obviously addiction, smoking, uh, these took a toll, but so too the, the very diets that uh, we depend on. And it strikes me as curious that uh, the United States, to some extent the UK, uh, two of the most uh, prosperous, advanced countries in the world with healthcare systems that, uh, you know, have problems, but really are pretty superior and sophisticated, uh, have the most deaths, have the highest rate of death uh, compared to other parts of the world. So, you know, what's going on okay. there? I thought that Africa was going to be absolutely ravaged. I thought that uh, Asia was going to, you know, the poorer parts of Asia, Indonesia and so on, were going to be utterly devastated. But yeah, it doesn't appear to be the case. The, the problem here is we, we've lost touch of ecology in medicine. This This is a you know, the interaction between a pathogen and, and human beings is, a, is an ecological interaction. And there are a bunch of environmental factors that are affecting uh, the pathogen as well as the, the humans within that. So I, I, I was fairly confident that this from the early days that this was not going to be a major problem in countries that were generally very hot. Um, and, and we've seen a very clear seasonal effect already in the northern hemisphere and in the southern hemisphere. Um, so, so what, what we're really seeing in the absence of any desire to be able to look at, um, medical interventions that really work, we've seen a manifestation of the lack of resilience in 
people in industrialized countries. Mm-hmm. And and you're absolutely right. The 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 US and the UK and Europe represent um, populations that that have are gradually losing resilience because of lack of uh, physical activity, excessive chronic stress, um, simplification of diets, lack of nutritional status, uh, metabolic disease, the list goes on and on. Over-medicalization could be a component of that too, because a very high percentage of people are already taking a lot of prescription medications that may make them more vulnerable, damage their microbiome, and so on. Yeah, and then you add the industrial chemical exposure on top of that. So it's, mm-hmm. this is an ecological interaction, and and the difficulties we're still, as a society, we're looking for a sort of technocratic, a high tech solution. When actually many of the solutions, there is no single solution, which is why I keep on talking about eggs in the basket. But we've got to be saying, right, what other things can we do that impact resilience? And and this is, yeah, this is the wake up call that you've been talking about. Okay, well, you know, it all kind of comes together uh, on your mission statement, which is to make people more aware of uh, important uh, lifestyle changes. But uh, you've also offered a very uh, sophisticated and uh, impressive review of uh, the current or current strategies to address COVID-19, including uh, the vaccine, asked some important questions. And, uh, you know, well, we want to emphasize that we're not uh, anti-vax per se. Uh, You know, this is a severe crisis and, you know, we'd love for the vaccine to be safe and effective. Uh, We do have to um, take a scientific approach to this. And I think that's what you're scrupulously wedded to. Correct. We, we, you know, diversity is a is a really important uh, word. I think in in what we're doing, whether it's uh, diversity of interventions, whether it's diversity of your diet, diversity of strategies, um, recognizing the effects of diversity in the population and the fact that that people respond differently, so there's unlikely to be a one size fits all. We've got to be thinking more ecologically about how these things work and and recognize that that you know the goalposts are continuously moving so right now we're seeing new variants we may have an ade uh, you know pathogen priming problem down the line so we need to manage that risk so that you know people know what to do and and they cannot wait to for their governments to do all of it this is about empowerment this is about people understanding how they can essentially have more sovereignty and exercise their inalienable right to medical freedom. Okay, it's, well, you know, go ahead, we've been given a perfect opportunity to for a full reset. And um, I think that's really important. While people have got this time, um, suddenly look on this time at home, um, the lockdown time is really a time of reflection, of connection, of connection to self, connection to the planet, to the community. And, you know, a lot of good is coming out of it as well. So I think I just want to mention that is that we see an awful lot of negative in the press. Mm-hmm. But um, there are some amazing things that have come out of this. And I think the potential for each one of us to really go inside, have a pause, look within, look at what we want to change and come back out again. Um, it's a bit like, you know, the stages of the caterpillar to the buff- butterfly, isn't it? Indeed. It, it's, it, it's a teachable moment. Uh, it's a call to action. And uh, I think that uh, hopefully we'll weather this crisis uh, 
with uh, increased resiliency and, you know, awareness of what we need to do to stay healthy. So uh, I want to give out the resources once again, uh, anhinternational.org. Yes, and on and on there, you will also find um, on the homepage, the COVID Adapt, Don't Fight campaign is where um, your listeners will find our entire um you know, repository of all of the information we've been writing since March of 2020 um, on this subject. So the website, videos and- there's videos, there's podcasts, there's articles, there's a tracker on there for the science and the media. I mean, obviously, our main website's got a ton of other information. But if you're wanting to dive into the COVID information, that's where you'll find it. And then um, our articles come out weekly. We have a free weekly newsletter as well that people can, some, can subscribe to and um, and just keep abreast with what we're doing. And I think in these times of massive censorship, we are asking people to go old school again and sign up for the newsletter mm-hmm. because it, it's a direct that, conduit to the information. Is, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much for your dedication. You guys are uh, extraordinarily productive and I feel you're my kindred spirits across the pond, uh, just dedicated to getting the information out there and, uh, you know, a variety of uh, entertaining and uh, informative ways. So uh, great stuff. Thank you so much for what you do. Um, it's, been, it's been fantastic to have a, a really sane voice that we've been able to keep comms going um, now for many years. But I think this is the most important time that we've ever been communicating because people are so desperate for this information. Indeed. Well, I want to thank you very much, uh, Melanie Aldridge uh, and Rob Kirk, for joining us. And uh, all the best. Uh, safe, stay safe and happy trails on uh, uh, the highways and byways of Surrey. Watch out for that traffic uh, coming, so much, coming, to, coming at you from the right, from the right. Yeah, I, you know. we'll, we'll get you cycling up the 25 percent this year. Yeah, as soon as, as soon as the pandemic's over, I'll be hopping over. Thank you so much. I'm I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements... I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free full script account. That's drhoffmanstore.com. drhoffmanstore.com.